Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Well, during the last series throughout Lent, we've had this visual uh, back here. And it was meant to be this kind of messy sort of board to represent our sin and the mess that it makes. And each week we were looking in the book of Judges at the deeper and deeper patterns of sin. And it finishes with their abandonment of God as their king. We see in the story of Good Friday and Easter that God's plan from the very beginning was to rescue his people. That in the midst of sin and rebellion, we have the true king bringing his rescue. And we've also included that as part of our visual. Uh, Behind the gray paint and, and the black spots and the different markings on there, we have a yellow crown waiting to be revealed. Waiting for Easter Sunday, where we get the reminder that it is in the midst of our sin in the midst of our brokenness and our healing, that we have Jesus who comes to be our true king and provides our true rescue for us. As we've been repeating in our assurance each week for the past six weeks, there is forgiveness and healing with God. God's steadfast love has the power to redeem our brokenness. And make us whole. Thank you, Terrell. Before we turn to God's word, uh, let's pray. God of life, your spirit raised Jesus from the dead, your spirit inspired the writers of Scripture, your spirit draws us to Christ to acknowledge him as Lord. We ask that you send your spirit now to give us deep insight, encouragement, faith, and hope through the proclamation of the Easter gospel. Amen. Last week, we finished with our series in Lent, uh, looking at the need for a king. And today... We are celebrating Jesus as the risen king. And we're going to do that through Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. So I invite you to have your Bibles open as we look at God's word together. Ephesians chapter 1 is just one of the passages that we could be turning to that highlights the authority that Jesus has as the king of all the universe. starting in verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all his people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. About 10 years ago, there was a news story that circulated about a Vietnamese soldier who had gone deep into the forest and had remained there for 40 years. Not knowing that the war had ended, he stayed there and stayed in hiding. Now, just for uh, a visual to help us remember uh, the story a little bit, we can picture this person. And, and whenever anyone came by, he would go off and, and hide. He would run away because he didn't know what, what the reality was. He hadn't heard the good news. Now, imagine you're the person that finds this person. What would you say to him? Would you go and, and bring him advice of how to live in the forest better? Would you show him some blog posts, kind of 10 best ways to trap an animal in the jungle, or four unbelievable tricks to spruce up your hut? Of course not. What this person needed was not good advice, but good news. And, and that makes sense. It's pretty obvious with the example here. But I think this sort of confusion that we have is something that happens often with what we do with the Christian message. Often we treat the Christian hope in terms of good advice. Uh, we mine the Bible for things that can help us. Ten tips on how to be a nicer person or four ways that we can be more thankful. We look at the different passages and we decide on how good they are or how true they are based on the advice that they can give. But the Bible centers not on being able to give good advice, but in revealing truth, in speaking good news. And what is this good news? Well, much like the end of a war, it points back to a historical reality. The stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty. Jesus has risen from the dead. It's, it's the good news that, that death does not have a victory. It doesn't have the last word that Jesus Christ is the risen king. And that's why we celebrate Good Friday and Easter. Good Friday is good because it defeats the power of sin and death once and for all. Jesus' sacrifice takes care of that. Already with Good Friday, there's something we can announce. 
like coming up to the person living in the forest on their own, we can say the, the victory has been won. You don't have to hide out anymore. And yet we don't leave our story with Good Friday because that biggest part is yet to come. Jesus is raised from the dead. Not only is the old rule done with, but a new ruler has been appointed. One who is loving and just, who calls us to come and follow him. Easter is about a new person in charge. Jesus as the just and righteous king who has risen from the dead, who is alive and will reign for eternity. At least that's what we find when we look at the New Testament. We, we find constantly this connection between the resurrection and Jesus as the one who's appointed as ruler over all things. Look at our passage this morning and see how it talks about the resurrected Jesus. In verse 20, it says that God has seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. He's, seating, he's seated Christ above everything, every power and dominion, every name that can be evoked, not only in the present age, but the age to come. Paul's talking about Jesus here in terms of this, this ultimate king, I want you to consider our passage in light of that. That how often do we actually consider Jesus as king, as the one who has full and total power and authority? The, the passage names it. It's not even just for this age, but for the age to come. Jesus is this eternal king. Now, thinking back to the story the Vietnamese soldier living in the forest. Paul is essentially saying to this person, the battle is over. The victory has been won. You can return home to something that was better than it was before. Or to put it in terms of Paul's letter, Paul is writing to the people of, in Ephesus. And they are living under the reign of Caesar, one of the biggest names that is out there. And Paul is saying that Caesar only has in his charge a little bit of creation just for a little bit of time. The one that we serve is far bigger than that. Jesus has authority over all things for all time to come. Yes, we'll still have trouble, we'll still have hardships, there's still suffering and death is still present, but these things do not have the last word. They don't have staying power. We confront these things in a different way, knowing that the one who has overcome all invites us, calls us to follow him. I invite you to read the, the New Testament in, in light of this and, and find all these different references to the authority that the risen Christ has. Uh, one of the, the popular ones that I'll just point out this morning is from Matthew 28. Uh, this is a passage that should be pretty familiar to us. Uh, we read this every time there's a baptism. And this is where the resurrected Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He begins that with all authority has been given to me. 
we have all this talk in the New Testament of Jesus as ruler and king, yet, yet the way that we talk about Jesus sometimes doesn't highlight that. We often look for something else. We, we settle for the Jesus who's, who's telling stories and gives good advice. But that's not how Paul describes the resurrection. Paul puts it in terms of this big cosmic change, not something that, that we need advice for, but something that we need to see, that we need to be made aware of. Looking back to our passage again, in verse 18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Notice what Paul is not saying here. He's not saying, I pray that you choose to follow Jesus more and improve your life. He's not saying, I pray that you see how much better your life can be if you, if you follow my advice. He's saying that we are having the eyes of our heart opened, that we see this reality that something big has changed. He prays that our hearts are open to the fact that we are ones called by the resurrected Jesus. They are invited to this kingdom that has already begun. He doesn't even frame it as choosing. It's not about choosing to follow the right line of thinking. Paul is saying, listen up. This ruler, this king, has called you. And this is good news. I know you were out in the woods while all of this was happening, but you are invited to join into the victory. You're invited to be part of this, even though you haven't done anything at all to deserve it. And that's the calling each of us are invited to consider. Know that we are people called by Christ. You don't have to do anything to earn your way to him. There's nothing that we can do to earn this. And I know there's something in us that wants to have it the other way around. We want to claim Christ. We want to fight our own battles. But the Easter story, the resurrection, brings a different invitation. It says the one who has won, the king of the universe, invites you to follow him. So how do we respond? I think one of the challenges in responding has to do with how our, our culture has formed us. Uh, we are people who, who have advice thrown at us every which way and from all these different places, and we think that the goal is to get the best advice from every different source, and we start to treat religion the same way. Religion is based often in our culture based on its usefulness. Does it have good advice? Can it make it life easier, more efficient, or can it make me happier, a better person? And we're conditioned to seek things that give us good advice. Uh, for instance, just, just examples that came my way this week on, on social media. When I'm scrolling through, I get um, life hacks. I don't know if these are popular on yours. Uh, but some genuinely useful ones that I've drawn out here, in case you don't know what this is. Uh, this is when ironing a button-up shirt, you can flip it inside out and easily iron over the button side. Or, 
Um, you can use your cell phone as a light underneath a water bottle to make it a lantern that distributes light better than a direct beam. So cell phones, by the way, are the best I could do. Or here we have using a bread tab to hold your spot on a roll of tape, uh, particularly helpful for the, the clear tape that you can never find the edge for. These, these are little pieces of advice that just come to us and teaching us that what we need is things to, to help us out, to make our lives a little bit better, a little bit easier. And it's not just through these little pictures and these little ads. There's other ways that it comes our way. Another classic one is looking at TED Talks. Some of these TED Talks have over 50 million views, people talking for 15 to 20 minutes. And the reason why people will listen, because they figure these people have good advice. One of the most top popular ones is titled, Inside the Mind of a Procrastinator. Probably watched a lot by people that have something else they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> but these people want advice. They want, to, they want advice to say, how can we stop all of this procrastination? Another one is titled, How Great Leaders Can Inspire Action. It's, it's for people that want advice. How can we change? How can we do a better job at what we're doing? And these get all sorts of views because some of this advice is good. They have experts that give unique insights how to end procrastination, how to expand your leadership skills. And we're surrounded by media, our, our social media, the TED Talks or blog posts that give us promises, these six different things to get to a happier you. And we might click on them because there's a chance that it will it'll at least temporarily improve our lives. Some of this advice is actually good. It can help. But the problem is, is that sometimes we can approach the Bible with that same mindset, that same question, what advice do you have for me? How can you make me a nicer person, a more effective leader? And you can probably find some good advice in there, but that's not what Scripture is for. That's not what is at the core of the story that Scripture brings us. It's not meant to stand alongside a bunch of self-help books. It is a book that points us to good news. And notice the difference between good news and good advice. Um, advice is about manipulating the world around us. It's about changes that we make. But news is about informing us how the world has changed. News carries with it the possibility of saying the world is different. Let me tell you how. A quote that I came across earlier this week uh, from a pastor that I mentioned last week is, the gospel is not about choosing advice, but about being called to follow a king. I'll say that one again. I think it's worth repeating. The gospel is not about choosing to follow advice. It's about being called to follow a king. Easter is not about tips for being a nicer person. It's not about choosing to do something. It's about a new ruler in town who changes the very foundation of reality for us. It's about Jesus overcoming sin and death and being crowned as the king of kings. And this ruler invites us to follow him. Now that Pastor Keller goes on to say that Jesus is the one who gives this invitation. Come and follow me. 
Follow me because I am the king that you've been looking for. Follow me because I have authority over everything, and yet I have humbled myself for you. I have brought you news, not advice. Follow me because I am your true love. I am your true life. This should come as a relief for those of us that have been in the book of Judges for the last six weeks. In Judges, we get a window into life without the true king, where we abandon God's rule to seek happiness only to find us further and further in this spiral that gets out of control, where all we see is the sin and broken relationships, abuse and death. We saw that big focus in Judges isn't about these these heroes that we're meant to, to follow or to imitate but it holds a mirror to ourselves. We see how too often we seek to follow our own hearts. We try to live as though God is not in charge. We think we just have this choice of following Jesus as one piece of advice amongst other advice or options out there that can make us happy, rather than seeing that Jesus is the king, the one who sets us free. We confuse Christianity with other religions if we think that our job is just to follow the advice of the Bible. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news that you don't need to earn your way to God. Jesus has done that for you. The good news is that we found, it's not that we found someone that can motivate us to, to overcome sin through our own action. The good news is that Jesus has already done it. He calls us to step out of the chaos of trying to do things our own way and to follow him. To point back to the story that we began with. Sometimes we live as though we're just trying to get through life in the woods the best that we can. We can live as though we're still in bondage and we can live as though we're we're carrying our guilt and and our shame and we're just trying to find the best tips, the best advice, the best ways to try and manipulate the things around us. We walk around as though we have not been called by the great king who sets us free. Our passage reminds us, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order to see that you may know the hope to which he has called you. It's about seeing that hope that is already there. So my suggestion for us this morning is that we look at this, we reflect at this, to open our eyes and hearts to this fundamentally different way of looking at the world. We live in a world where Jesus is the ruler of all things, where we acknowledge that it's not, whether we acknowledge it or not isn't the big factor here. We can be like people living in the woods trying to work out our own little projects here and there to try create meaning but ultimately we know that none of these things none of these things that we can do have any staying power we are invited to see that the king is calling you and again i ask how do we respond at this point i want to invite the worship team forward Uh, In a moment, we're going to sing, Crown Him with Many Crowns. 
We'll sing about how the Lamb is seated on the throne, that Jesus is the King of kings. And particularly, we'll sing this last line here, all hail, Redeemer, hail, for he has died for me. His praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity. We give our praise and our adoration to the King who has redeemed us, the one whom we will not stop praising. Let's pray. Dear Lord, may the eyes of our hearts be enlightened to your hope. Give us eyes to see the, rea- the reality that has already begun to unfold because of what Jesus has done. May that give us hope and joy that is secure enough to enter into any circumstance, knowing that the incomparably great power is for us. When we look around and get distracted by the things that we think we can control, when we get caught up in a cycle of trying to improve our lives with temporary fixes and ignore the deeper salvation that we need, draw us back to you that we may see that we are a people called. We thank you for who you are this Easter morning. Instead of trying to show us how to overcome sin in our own efforts, you have done it yourself. And you call us to join in your victory. For those of us feeling the weight of sin, who feel the messiness of the world, in our own lives. For those of us who feel like we've abandoned the king, may we see this opportunity to come to you anew this morning. That you came to rescue us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our rebellion. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.